Welcome to Conversations with Claire. I'm your host, Claire Bays. I am a content creator, CrossFit L2 trainer, nutrition advisor, and sober alcoholic. I created this podcast to share inspiring stories of people and information I'm learning in hopes that sharing our experiences will inspire us all to grow, learn, and change. Oh, and I hope to make you laugh. (laughs) Welcome to Conversations with Claire. All right. Hello, and welcome back to what is likely going to be called Meaningful Conversations with Claire. John Willie and I actually worked on that earlier today. I've been like pondering what the name of the podcast is going to be for a while now. And Meaningful Conversations has certainly come up and he said that your name should be in it. So we'll see what it's going to be called. There's a chance that by the time that this comes out, there might be another name, but we're going to call it that for now. Anyway, enough about me. Today, our guest is Eric Hinman. And Eric Hinman is an athlete. He's a CrossFit athlete, a triathlete, Ironman He'd be doing the most high rocks recently. That's on the list. Has some background in some other areas as far as business goes. We'll get into that. And then at this point is a brand builder. So do you want to kind of tell who you are real quick? Your version of you? Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for having me first and foremost. Yeah. Thank Uh, you so much for doing this. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, athlete, definitely. I've always been really competitive, more so just competitive with myself. Played three sports in high school, team sports, basketball, track, baseball, football, cross country, college. I played one year of basketball and then I got into weightlifting in college. And after college, I started my first business. I knew I always wanted to create my own destiny and be an entrepreneur. So my father gave me an incredible opportunity to start a property and casualty insurance agency in upstate New York, where I'm from, Syracuse area. And yeah, first seven years of my professional life after college was all about work on the weekdays, play on the weekends. I started getting out of shape. I certainly didn't have the lifestyle that I have now. But during that time period for seven years, I was able to build a really good book of business, residual income, which I always tell young entrepreneurs, you know, if you're going to trade time for money, build an asset, build residual income. So I was fortunate that my father pointed me in that direction to do that when I was young. And then after seven years of doing that, I knew it's not something I wanted to do long term and got into some other businesses during that time that were more passion projects. And I also got into really reshaping my life to be one around health and wellness. So 2009 was a big turning point in my life where I started competing in triathlon. And prior to that, I had hired a personal trainer to like get back into aesthetically good looking shape because I had gotten out of shape with that first business I started. I was driving 50,000 miles a year, sitting in a car, eating Subway. I just didn't have the knowledge to know like what a healthy lifestyle was. So yeah, 2009, you know, I'm looking pretty fit from having this personal trainer, but I sign up for a 15K race, nine miles, you know, not super far. And it just smashed me. I was. I mean, so nine miles is a afterwards. bit. Like for you to sign up for your first race and it be nine miles, that's, that ain't nothing. Yeah, but I mean, during that time period, I had gotten. You know, I looked fit. I was yeah. doing like thirty to forty-five minute high-intensity workouts. I was running short intervals, but everything was anaerobic. I wasn't doing anything aerobically. So to do something that was much longer in duration, like it was eye-opening that I wasn't aerobically fit by any means. 
during that time period, a bunch of my friends were buying these really fancy bikes that had four handlebars and I was intrigued. I'm like, I kind of want one of those bikes. What are they made for? And they were all signing up for this half Ironman that was coming to Syracuse, a triathlon, half the distance of a full Ironman. So I bought one of those fancy bikes, started riding it. I learned how to swim, signed up for my first triathlon, a sprint distance triathlon. So 800 meters swim, about a 10 to 12 mile bike, and then a 5k run off the bike. And after my first one, I was just like hooked. I loved it. I drank the Kool-Aid and it reminded me of business where your results are directly correlated with how much purposeful practice you put in. So I started doing these triathlons every Wednesday night in Jamesville, New York, and I would go hard because I was used to CrossFit type workouts where I was going hard. So I'd win these, you know, Wednesday night triathlons fairly soon into getting that bike and, and getting into triathlon. And did an Olympic distance triathlon, almost drowned in the swim, like my first sprint distance triathlon. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. Pass people on the bike, pass people on the run, which was empowering. And triathlon really sucks you in because they break it down by so many different divisions that it's fairly easy to place locally in some kind of division. So I think in my very first one, you know, I placed like fifth in my age group, but there are all these other pro division and tons of other divisions, right. but you know, it was empowering to be like, wow, I might be good at this sport. Yeah. So fast forward maybe a year or so, and I wasn't really training. I was exercising. I was swimming and biking and running at a high intensity, doing these Wednesday night triathlons, but I wasn't training with purpose during that time period. And there was this one guy, Mike Corona who would beat me in every local triathlon. And he didn't look nearly as fit as I did. You know, I was starting to get some abs and I had some definition in my arms and I looked pretty fit, but he beat me. So, you know, I'm like, I'm going to hire him and understand why he's beating me when I look so much fitter than he is. So he taught me a super valuable lesson that in endurance sports, you need to slow down to speed up. So a lot of anaerobic strength-based athletes, they come into these endurance sports and they just want to go at a 160, 170, 180 heart rate. And you can only sustain that for so long. So he, it took him three or four months to convince me this process was going to work, but he backed me off to like a 140 heart rate for all of my runs, all of my bikes. And I'm like, Mike, I don't feel like I'm doing anything. I'm sure that was so hard. I'm easy. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, after four months, I finally listened to him. And, you know, four months later, I started getting faster without running fast. I was running slower, but I was putting in more volume. So I learned that endurance sports are all about durability and having this aerobic engine. Nutrition also is a factor, especially race day. So under his guide, I did a half Ironman 2011 in Maryland called Eagle Man. And, you know, I had lofty goals of qualifying for the world championships at this race. And, you know, I went out way too hot on the run and just fell apart. So like another lesson, like Ironman, half Ironman, these endurance sports, once they get above two, three hours, it's all about pacing. It's understanding what point are you going to hit a wall and what percentage of your max can you hold for a long period of time? Right. Well, and so much of that too is the nutrition. Like you said, like all I'm thinking about because of my little bit of experience with endurance stuff is absolutely like, what am I consuming and how is that going to impact my ability to perform over the course of hours? Huge. Yeah. Yeah. How do you perform, you know, when it gets over two hours and like you need calories to keep going. Right. 
So, you know, that half Ironman afterwards, I told my girlfriend at the time, I'm never doing this again. This is horrible. And then 30 minutes later, I'm like, I think I might do a full Ironman <laughs> next year. <laughs> again, the sport just like sucks you in because yeah. you want to keep testing your physical and mental limits. Right. So sign up for a full Ironman 2012 Ironman Lake Placid, going to the race, super fit, following the process to a T. My coach, he, uh, Mike, told me to think like a bumblebee and train like a racehorse, which I always loved that. And what that means is a racehorse doesn't question its master, but just does what it's told. And a bumblebee, because of its shape, isn't supposed to fly, but because it thinks it can, it does. So positive thoughts and follow a program, put blinders on. Don't worry about everyone else's doing. Like yeah. you follow your own program, yeah. don't stray from it. And that's going to get you to where you want to go. So yeah, that entire year, 2012, I was really dialed in. So get to and this Ironman, was just like, trusting a coach. Yeah, like, trusting a coach, okay. executing day in and day out. I mean, I was following the plan to a T, the wattage on the bikes, the heart rate on the runs, the distance or time domain that I was supposed to do, the set swimming. Like I, there's a program called Training Peaks where you work out, you can record it on your Coros, Garmin, whatever watch you use. It goes into Training Peaks and then, you know, it changes it from like blue, you didn't do it to green, you did it. And I was kind of obsessed with like, I want every workout to be green. I did it exactly as it was put on the on If the you program. guys are not picking up on the trend yet, he's only a little competitive. Yeah, very competitive <laughs> but in myself. But in a very like, in a good way and in like an yeah. endearing way. Yeah, I just yeah. like structure and I'm a creature of habit. And, yeah. you know, once I kind of set my sights on something, I'm very good at like following through on it and saying no to everything else that's going to get in the way. I think yeah. that's an important quality if you want to succeed at a high level in anything, whether it's business, triathlon, CrossFit, right. you name it. You know, you really need to have blinders on to get to where you want to go if it's at a high level. And I think a lot of people, they say yes to too many things. See, there's too many distractions that that get in the way of achieving that one singular goal. Right, right. Well, it's very easy as opportunities continue to come your way or, exactly. you know, anything. And then you can, yeah, you can easily get sidetracked. Yeah. yeah. So Ironman Lake Placid that year, great race on the run. I saw someone pass me with, you have your age on your leg. And I was 30, maybe 31, 32 at the time. And the person who passed me was in my age group. You know, he had like 33 on his calf on his leg. And I knew I was in the mix for a world championship spot, but there was nothing I could do. It was mile 25. Like I was completely depleted. And, you know, this guy passes me, you know, just before the Olympic Oval in Lake Placid. So I go through, I finish, and soon after I find out that that person got the final spot to Kona. I missed by one spot, one minute. But again, like I, nothing I could do. My right, body gave was it everything wrecked. Could. I couldn't walk for a week after that first race, wow. that first Ironman. So, you know, that was my motivation to do it again in 2013. Like with Ironman, CrossFit, any of these sports, again, at a high level, like you need to have a why and you need to have a purpose because they're time consuming. You're making a lot of sacrifices and... Yeah, I had this burning desire to get to the world championships just to prove that I could get there. Yeah. So yeah, 2013. And this was early mid 30s at that point for you. Yeah, early early 30s. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 2013, same thing. Lake Placid, always my qualifying race for Kona. I end up having a great race that year. Qualify for Kona. Get to Kona. Horrible race in in Kona, which is typical. It's heat and humidity there. You're on the blacktop on the Queen K. The lava fields right next to you and the sun is just radiating off and it just like it tears you apart and spits you out. Yeah. So, you know, had friends, family there spectating and I just kind of felt like I let myself down. I let them down. I fell apart on the bike. My stomach was just rock the entire time. 
you know, the marathon, I finally started to, you know, come around and feel a little better, but it was not what I was expecting. Can you look back in hindsight and give any like thought about like what maybe it was that kind of took you other than just maybe yeah. not being accustomed to the heat and humidity? Like, was it potentially some nutrition? Stuff 100% or? nutrition. So the day or two before I had like an enormous pancake breakfast, like I did things that were very outside of what I would do on a regular basis, just because I was putting Kona on such a pedestal. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to like go overboard with some things that I didn't really need to go overboard with. So yeah, I think it was, I ate way too many carbs before. I think I drank too much water, too much salt. Like I just went too far off of what my body was used to and I paid for it. I absolutely paid for it. So lesson learned. I mean, Iron Man, anything again, it's like you can follow a plan, you know, you can learn from others. I think that's super important, but you know, ultimately it's life experiences that are going to dictate your success and you know, you're going to fail along the way. I don't care how much guidance you have. You're going to try and test things that maybe weren't on the plan to see if it works for you. And Unfortunately, that didn't work for me. Well, and it's so individualized as much as, yes, there are certain like certain nutrients that are, you know, typically going to be important for every human, you know, like sodium when you're expensive, you know, there are ones that like, yeah, duh, I shouldn't say duh, but when you're practicing it often enough, you become aware of that and everyone uses it, yada, yada. But yeah, I, I mean, I remember just in last year's training of training for a century that like, it was so incredible whenever I finally consumed just enough, just enough food (laughs) during those rides. And all of a sudden, my miles per hour in one ride, you know, from one to the next one up like two miles per hour, which on a bike is like a significant increase in, in from one weekend to the next weekend. And then from there, it just continued to get better from nutrition. So that one didn't go well, largely because of that. Yeah, largely because of that. I was doing infrared sauna leading up to it to try and acclimate to the heat that I was going to experience. But I got to the race way too close to the race day. I think I got there on like Thursday and the race was Saturday. So, you know, lesson learned, like get there way before. So the following year, 2014, I have an amazing race in Lake Placid, qualify for Kona, get to Kona, get there two weeks before, like lots of time to like literally train there in those conditions, not just like continue my taper there, but do some long rides on the Queen K, really learn the course. Like I knew the course in Lake Placid, like the back of my hand. I knew where to push. I knew where to back off. I knew how to race the swim. I knew how to race the run. Like everything was so dialed in because I trained on that course so much. So yeah, Kona, I got to like really learn the course and understand how my body was going to react to the salt water, the waves, the lava fields, like everything that's there, the run on a, on a leaky drive. So end up having a great race. Like I just did everything right leading up to it. Nutrition was dialed in, fitness was dialed in, my taper was pretty good. This is another interesting component of Ironman. You know, I think some CrossFit athletes are probably starting to do it, but we always had this graph that my coach and I would look at in training peaks where it shows your fitness level going up, but it also shows your fatigue going up. And the whole point of Ironman is you want to get to a point like a week before the race where your fitness is super high, your fatigue is super high, but then you back off. So your fitness goes down a little, but your fatigue goes way down. So that's a science experiment of how long do you need to still maintain like a very high level of fitness, but shed a lot of that fatigue. So I had that dialed in. I mean, you know, we're fast forwarding four or five years of the sport at this point to like understand all of that through my experiences with it nutrition on point. I used to write a race report after every single report. So I would go back in and I would read like 
what worked, what didn't work, what to change, how I could go faster in the transition areas. Like, again, it was just dialed in from various experiences that I had. And then after that, I kind of lost my like passion. Like I just felt like I was going through the motions after that race. Well, so often as an athlete, you reach a point where all this, I mean, cause you've dedicated at this point so much time. And I was going to ask you, what are you doing professionally at this time? Like while you're doing all of this intentional training and you're spending so much energy physically, mentally, all, you know, spiritually, all of the above towards this goal, like what does the rest of your life look like at that time? Yeah. I mean, my life was super structured. So, so structured. I was, uh, the insurance business was kind of on autopilot by that point. Okay. I hired someone to manage it. So I wasn't really in the mix with that. Okay. But I was involved in a software company at that time. I had started a CrossFit gym, an indoor cycling studio, a hit studio. So yeah, I was juggling quite a few balls, but I understood where the time sucks were and I re removed myself from the time sucks within those various businesses. So, yeah. you know, I was more on working on the business than in the business, you know, like managing people and building the team, building the brand, but not dealing with customer service. And I wasn't, you know, in the nitty gritty, I wasn't executing, you know, yeah. on the daily operations of, of those businesses. So, but again, yeah, I mean, life super structured, wake up at five 30, first workout, breakfast, office, swim at lunch, office, run in the evening, dinner, bed by 8.30, wake up, rinse and repeat. So yeah. very, very structured during that time period. When I feel like whenever you're working in, in the professional world, a lot of times like I, a, a popular topic is time blocking, you know, and I guess that it sounds to me like you were really time blocking. And, and I suppose a lot of athletes are truly doing that as well, but where you were, ch you know, chunking out time. Cause I would imagine with all those businesses, there's, there's a inevitable degree of stress, even if you are not involved in the day-to-day -day of it necessarily, there's still a certain amount of stress because they still exist and they still matter, you know? And so I can imagine that trying to mitigate that stress to be able to, you know, was probably an interesting yeah, you, journey. <laughs> you want to try and limit the stress that can creep in from the different things and mm -hmm. sticking to a structure is best, you know? So like office hours only during certain times, taking phone calls only during certain times, like yeah, I kind of learned how to put a lot of things on autopilot. I learned how to delegate a lot of stuff and I learned how to automate a lot of stuff. Yeah. So there weren't things that could creep in. I kind of knew what every single day was going to look like, where I was going to be, what I was going to be doing at every certain time of the day. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And I, and I would say it's interesting because I've already, so from there, I actually was going to do this earlier and here we are. I was going to ask you, how did we meet? So let me get back to that here in just a moment. And just say that in the time that I have spent with Eric, it's been really fun to watch. You are a very efficient person and you're intentional. And so just observing a lot of what you do is you organically connect people quickly. And, you know, you see something that's a good fit and you just make the connection and you do it so seamlessly and so quickly. I've seen you do it so many times and you've, of course, been instrumental for me. And I appreciate that. It's been fun to watch because you get a lot done with ease. <laughs> and I guess it's just repetitions, you know. So so from there, then how do we meet? <laughs> yeah, that are, that are good buddy Bickle's house working yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Matt Bickle in Denver, Colorado. Yeah. So yeah, I was over there training. Let's see here. We were doing a little bit of Sam Dancer's preparation for the games. Bickle was coaching him, and actually, Eric and I had both run two high rocks at the same time. So we were in the household, and we're kind of like, "Yeah, I know who you are. I know who you are." Uh, uh, and then finally, we put it together. Oh, we both run high rocks. And then from there, definitely just you immediately did what you do, which is simply identify somebody that you think is, you know, I don't know, an interesting person and, and then start helping them. 
And so I appreciate all the help that you've given me. I know, but I mean, I love community. I love connecting people. I find so much joy and value in others getting value from each other. And then like, we're all on this planet to have an amazing experience. Mm -hmm. And I want everyone to have an amazing experience. That makes me feel like I'm giving back. So right, right. Yeah. One, because you've gotten to experience so many cool things and you've cultivated so many wonderful relationships. And so now to just elevate everyone together is just a really cool thing. And I appreciate that you do that for for everybody. So then let's see here. So you finish up basically your triathlon career, your or your Ironman, I'm sorry, career. You're kind of coming out of that, feeling fatigued on that. And then. Yeah. So, I mean, that was a tough chapter of my life. This is 2015, 2016. And it was a very transitionary period because I had an identity as this Ironman athlete. I was in Syracuse, New York, which is a pretty small city. And yeah, I really felt like that was the hat I was wearing. I was this Ironman athlete and I was going to disappoint people and disappoint myself if I was no longer this elite amateur Ironman athlete. So I still was kind of in the mix for a bit. And I was, I realized I was doing it more for others at that point instead of doing it for myself. And I was going through the motions instead of like going through life with tremendous passion. So how long to, would, if you were to try to like give a time span of how long you think that went on before you really became aware of it? Cause it's so interesting how we have to reach these pain points with these things. Yeah. Like we have to like experience them and be like, what is happening? I don't like, you know, for a while before we're like, Oh yeah, <laughs> I feel this way. Yeah. 2015, 2016, two years before I was in a relationship as well, that long-term relationship that neither of us we were going through the motions and, you know, again, like major transitionary period where it was almost just like easier to stay in it. Just like it was almost easier to just like remain this Ironman athlete when my heart wasn't really there. So yeah, two years. And then 2017, kind of what really got me out of it was one of my friends invited me to Boulder, Colorado to visit. He and his family It was a brand I was working with. His name's Kyle. And I went to Boulder, spent five days there, and I had been traveling a bit during that time period too, spending time in New York City and Santa Monica, Venice, LA, and you know, starting to build these tribes in larger cities where I just felt like my cup was so full when I was leaving those interactions. And then I would go back and I didn't feel like my cup was it was full being back in, you know, a smaller city. So that trip to Boulder really changed my perspective on where I needed to be. So I wasn't involved, you know, operationally really in any, in anything anymore back in Syracuse. And I was like, I need to shift my home base. I need to shift my environment. I need to completely shift my friend group and just like immerse myself in this new lifestyle I've created because, you know, my lifestyle had shifted to one really based around health and wellness. And it was vastly different than most of my friend group, you know, back in Syracuse and also vastly different for most people, you know, in that city, because the sun doesn't shine often. It's not like Colorado where I live now, where the environment just begs you to be outside, you know, all day, every day. And the people that are tracks there obviously want the same thing. So yeah, in Colorado, I went back to Syracuse and like two weeks later, a company in Boulder invited me to come back out that summer to speak about influencer marketing. I had started gaining this audience on social media during that time period from Iron Man. And one of my close, close friends was Dave Mira, the X Games athlete. I got him into Ironman and just by being with him a lot, my following and audience grew on, on Instagram specifically. And we're looking at 2017. 2016, 17. Yeah. So yeah, that summer of 2017 in Boulder, Colorado, again, out to dinner with some friends that I was connected to who went to Syracuse University. 
and they were telling me about Denver, which I hadn't been to yet, and that they had a three-story townhouse right near the football stadium in Denver, and that one of their roommates had recently moved out of this top level of the townhouse that had a deck that overlooked the football stadium and the city skyline. And I'm like, sight unseen, city unseen. I'm like, like say less. It. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I felt like a college kid moving into a dorm room. Oh you my know, gosh, I, I love it. I, I had a, you know, a, a life and condo and, you know, lots of space back in Syracuse. And I move into this like 400 square foot room with yes. just a mattress and like very little clothes. I buy a motorcycle the next day. So I have transportation out there and, you know, I'm kind of thinking it's just going to be a place I go every month to get my mountain fix. And I end up spending most of the fall 2017 in this small place with roommates. And it was just so vastly different than, you know, what I had back in Syracuse with like a big loft and all my things. But I was so much happier with so much less and just being in this environment where I felt like I thrived. So. Yeah, spending more time there, I'm like, I got to make this home base. So, yeah, it was uh, over a year period. You know, I started just kind of offloading some things I was involved in in Syracuse, rented out my condo that I had in Syracuse, found my own place, a loft in Rhino in Denver, and had my car shipped out, some more of my stuff shipped out. And 2018 is really when I made Denver like home base. And then, I mean, February 28th, my girlfriend and I closed on our new home in uh, just outside of Denver in Lakewood. And, yeah. you know, now it's, you know, like that a is hub. home and hub. And, oh, my gosh. It looks yeah. amazing. Yeah. I cannot wait to come actually train there. Definitely. We got a great um, yeah. space. Yeah, that'll be cool. So let's see here. So then you pivot in about 2018. And that's when you've already started to like begun to build a personal brand. And so from there, because now that's what you do is, you know, you you are continuing to build your own personal brand. And then you are aligning with brands that align with who you are and what your values are, and you're helping them build. And so I guess just kind of walk me through that, because I think that the whole, I know influencer is the term, but you know, I love content creator, because that's what you're doing. Anyway, whatever you want to call it, this ecosystem was like pretty infant at that time. I guess it may have been semi-developed, but either way, it was still really young. Yeah. Yeah. And so you've grown with it and you started pretty early. So yeah, what was that like for you? Yeah. So 2016 was my aha moment with this. You know, I maybe had a following of 10,000 on Instagram specifically and Oakley reached out and invited me to spectate the Ironman World Championships. I wasn't, you know, in the sport competing anymore and promote their new sunglasses they were coming out with. So that was when the light bulb went off. And I'm like, wow, big brands are going to start leveraging people with these niche audiences to market their products. So, you know, from that day forward, I started thinking of it more as like my businesses, treating it like that, treating it like a brand, adding value, figuring out a a path I was going to go down with it. You know, what what emotion did I want to evoke out of people? What value did I want to bring to them? And back then it was definitely all about like Ironman training, nutrition, recovery. So yeah, following continued to grow just by like really narrowing in on that focus of providing insights about the Ironman journey I had. And then also like running businesses as, as well. And then in 2018, I hired my agent, Dean, who you now know, and I was on the top of Mount Morrison, one of my favorite hikes in Colorado. I sent him a voice message and he had just recently split off from Men's Health, started his own PR company. And 
a lot of brands were starting to reach out to me and I wanted to do what I can do best and only I can do. And, you know, that was create the contents and, you know, add value and inspire people. So I wanted to offset the other tasks of like negotiating deals, writing contracts, invoicing. So I yeah send him a voice message and I'm like, hey, I know that you're not uh, a talent agent, but would you be interested in exploring this relationship with me? Because I think I can add a lot of value for you. All these brands that are reaching out to me, they need PR, you know, maybe you can work with them on that side. And then brands you're working with on PR, like, hey, I can help with PR. I can create content for them and, you know, hopefully yell from the rooftops about the products that I really enjoy. So that was just a match made in heaven. You know, four years later, it's turned into this incredible relationship. And along the way, I figured out how I could really differentiate myself from an influencer or a content creator and be more of a consultant. Like I've run businesses, I've built brands. So I understand that like a brand and a business wants return on investment if they're paying you. So I know that just posting a picture of this Yeti bottle, you know, is it really going to return the investment of Yeti paying me to do that? Probably not. But if I introduce them to distribution channels, if I introduce them to other people that will promote the product for them, if I create content for them on the side that they can use for digital ad spend, if they whitelist my content, all of these other things, you know, I'm leveraging so that, yeah, I do move the needle for the companies. And I like to pick... A, companies that weave in seamlessly with my life. I like meeting people in the real world. So most of the brands I work with are people I've met at the CrossFit Games, at Brian Maz's HPLT, at you know different places I've traveled to, or people coming in through Denver, coming over to the house, making them a smoothie. So yeah, I mean, they're, they're relationships in the real world. Maybe you know some of them were cultivated socially, but ultimately I, I like meeting with everyone I'm working with right. in person, just so there's that attachment for both parties. And yeah, so now it's really like, instead of me running a business and brand, I'm helping them run their business and brand, leveraging things I've learned along the way, leveraging an audience and trying to really move the needle for smaller brands. I like working with, you know, brands that have been around long enough to have an audience, but not so big where I feel like I'm just a billboard, you know, working with like a major brand, like I'm just a billboard for them. I'm not really moving the needle. But, you know, a brand like 10,000 or Beam or Ice Barrel or Kane or Sisu Sauna, you know, I'm, yeah, I really feel like I'm adding value for them. And also I feel like my audience looks to me now for late, the latest and greatest. What are the cool new brands out there? So it's really a win on all sides. Right. I just love the passion of why not make this a collaborative effort? Let's, if we're going to do this thing, let's do this together. Let's both be, both be really into it. And certainly as I'm like very new in the space. It's been very present on my mind of as I start to navigate relationships and so on, how do we do this in a truly meaningful way? You know, so I mean, I'm, I'm so new. We'll see how that goes over time. But it is important to me. I feel I appreciate and respect your perspective on that because I think that as a result, you do add a lot of value for those brands just by being genuinely interested and not aligning with things that do not align with you. And I think that's And just I just like, never wanted this to feel like work. You know, I got to yeah. a point, a point where... I had a lot of freedom and flexibility to do what I wanted every single day. And I want to be careful not to screw that up. That's why I haven't started any businesses in the last five years, because like, I like this life chapter I'm writing right now. And, you know, at some point it may come to an end, but I'm going to live it up while I can. Oh yeah. So yeah, it's, it's, it's really just monetizing lifestyle at this point. And again, you know, leveraging network and leveraging a lot of those skills that I amassed over time. Yeah. 
So tell me then, because since you he's pivoted away from all of the competitive endurance sports stuff, that being said, this man is training and training hard and nutrition matters for you and all of that lifestyle stuff that you talk about. Let's get into like sort of a day in the life, you know, what is a typical day or maybe a couple of days? Cause I know that you kind of rotate back and forth between training methodologies and the, the stuff that you do. So what does your life currently look like? Cause for those of you all that do know, Eric, you already know he's absolutely shredded. For those of you that don't know, look him up <laughs> and you're going to be like, I want to look like that guy. And then you watch him and you're like, I want to perform like that guy too. Cause not only does he look fit, he's incredibly fit. I just, anytime I get the opportunity to train with him, I wind up chasing him and it's, 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 you crush him. Oh, I love it. It's so fun. It's so fun to train with fit people that inspire you. And you absolutely do that for anybody you train with. I'm wholeheartedly sure of that. So yeah. What does a day in the life or a couple, you know, a week, whatever, what does it yeah, look like? Yeah. Nutrition well, wise. Fitness yeah, sure. Wise. So I'll, I'll back up a little bit before the day in the life, just because I think people oftentimes get overwhelmed with what it is now, instead of understanding like, this is 12 years of compounding interest to get to where I am. So oftentimes it overwhelms people what I'm doing now. Yeah. But you know, I took a year to like dial in sleep. I took a year to dial in nutrition. I took a year to dial in purposeful training, a year oh to gosh, dial in yeah. recovery. So, yes. you know, all of these things and I'm doing it, were like piggybacked over time. So my advice always with this is like pick one thing each year and know that like you have a long time to like stack all of these habits to, you know, build out your perfect day and your, you know, the best version of yourself. I appreciate so, that. That's a really good little nugget because yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't want to overwhelm people with what I do because it took a while to get to having the freedom to be able to do it. Right. And yeah, it's, it can be overwhelming. So wake up, no alarm ever. I'd never schedule anything generally before 10 a.m., 11 a.m., like meeting wise, call wise, podcast wise. Yeah. I like having the mornings to get to the best version of me, which I know what it takes to get there. So wake up, make coffee with collagen for Sarah and myself, have an espresso machine. I like, I build my day around tiny wins is what I call them. So the first kind of tiny win is like pouring that perfect espresso. I, I like art-based things where you continue to get better over time, skill-based things like mountain biking and, you know, CrossFit. That's why I do them. I like skills. So do that. I uh, think I told you yesterday what my kind of nutrient tonic is in the morning. I do athletic greens, beet powder, colostrum, NMN under my tongue and creatine in water in the morning. And I really don't eat anything else unless it's going to be like a highly anaerobic first session or like a max lift type day where I need some carbs, but very light. I build my calories throughout the day. First gym session is generally at like 830. I've been training at V23 lately in Colorado. Amazing facility, amazing, amazing people. Amazing facility. And Shouts people. out. They're yeah. wonderful. So awesome. So go there, two hour training session. I loosely follow Frazier's HWPO training. The classic program. Um, yeah, it's classic program, which I really like the format of it. So, you know, it's generally like a 10 to 15 minute warm up, which is getting you ready for whatever the lifts are for that day. And then complex lifts, squatting, deadlifts, pressing movements, maybe some Olympic lifting a couple times a week after that strength component. And then anaerobic conditioning or classic CrossFit type Metcons or intervals on the machines like the ski, the row, the bike, 
gymnastics and then accessory work. You know, it's it's a big training session. And again, you know, like I didn't start with no. two hour gym sessions. Well, and in order I to have, my way into this. Yeah, this is now your life. And this yeah. I mean, this is your entire life as being this athlete. And even though you've transitioned out of that, you know, it's still you being an athlete is your and and Definitely. I love that you touched on that because it is so real. And and I think that as I was on the road for the past few months, I think it was really, really an incredible experience for me personally. Sorry to hijack, but I just have to say that I was able to recognize that because of all of the other stressors in life and how my schedule was looking, that my training volume was going to go down. And what I could control was my nutrition and I track macros. And that's a really just a pleasant experience for me today, but that took a long time to get there. And so I, I had lower training volume and I sustained a pretty high level of fitness throughout the entire thing with a lower training volume because we had built base. But anyway, you know, it's just, it's just the journey of when you have the time and then knowing that like, you don't have to do so much all the time to still be incredibly fit or even, you know, just, just movement is you're winning, you know? Yeah, so it doesn't matter what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Find your tribe, find what you enjoy doing, find yeah. what fits with your schedule. Those things are so important. So yeah, that yeah, training sorry. session done, you know, I may jump in a ice barrel quick if I'm at V23 or jump in a sauna quick after just to get a little recovery session. But so what that training session does is it really sets the stage for the rest of the day. So after that, I'm just like filled with energy. My mind is firing on all cylinders. I can create awesome content for the brands I work with. I can connect things in my head. I can connect people. So, you know, ultimately that's what I'm using a lot of this exercise for is to fuel me being the best version of myself yeah. to then perform other duties at the best ability that I possibly can. And I think that's what a lot of people don't see with athletes or people that exercise often is that I'm doing this just as much, if not more for the mental component as I am. The aesthetic is a byproduct, you know, right. I'm doing it because I feel amazing afterwards. And, and you again, feel like you're like, better able to show up for other people. hundred percent. You know, yeah. that's such a cool piece of it is because you are pouring into your cup in that way. Now you can take and pour into others. So yeah, that's what it's kind of fueling is, you know, then that work product that comes out of having that energy and that just feeling kind of limitless afterwards. Yeah. Go home, generally either make a smoothie. Smoothie is pretty simple. Some kind of alternative or lactose-free milk, vital proteins, collagen protein powder, a banana, some spinach or kale, some kind of greens, beet powder, maybe some nut butter, some nuts I'll put in there. Pretty simple. Or I'll do like three to four eggs and some turkey sausage. I usually keep like everything until dinner the same pretty much day in and day out. I look forward to it. I'm not like depriving myself. Like I'm stoked about it day in and day out. Switch it up a little bit. But, you know, I really feel like a lot of people, they get decision fatigue over food. And the more you can put it on autopilot, the better your nutrition is going to be. Yeah. Well, like, and you find those foods that you truly enjoy, then you can put it on autopilot because you know that you're going to enjoy it. Yeah. And again, foods that energize you. Like I'm just yes. looking for mental clarity and energy throughout the day. Absolutely. So, you know, the foods I pick, that's, they're really fueling that. So after that, I generally go off into the mountains and I'm either mountain biking, trail running, hiking, doing something for like 60 to 90 minutes outside, getting sun. I prefer skill-based activities over just general aerobics. So I prefer trail running over road running. I prefer mountain biking over road riding. I just like adding in you know, the skill and risk, because that produces a flow state like no other. I do that again, mind firing in all cylinders. That's kind of my moving meditation to again, like connect dots, like who can I connect? You know, what piece of content do I want to put out today? And 
it's really formulated while I'm out there in the mountains, soaking up sunshine, doing my thing. Yeah. So after that, it's usually, usually like shooting some kind of content, replying to messages again, like using that energy and that clarity and that creativity from exercise to fuel the next task. Yeah. Do that. And then recovery routine with friends, either, you know, we have people over at the house, we go over to Bickle's house. We have an amazing community of people that have saunas and ice barrels and cold plunges. Obviously, Colorado has cold streams everywhere. So, you know, generally doing that for 90 minutes, some kind of recovery routine. And then five days out of the week, we're either at a friend's house having dinner or we're hosting people at our house cooking for them. And dinner is typically much larger than all the other meals. I build my calories, like I said, throughout the day. I might have a bar while I'm while I'm biking yeah. and then dinner. So if you've noticed the trend, by the way, then it sounds like his day, like you said, he builds it and it's largely carbohydrate. And that's a very, maybe a good bit of fat maybe, but anyways, it seems like there's a lot of carbs early in the day. Yeah. Carbs, protein, because you're doing a high volume training in which case you need that. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, it used to be much more, my diets changed over time. It was a very high fat based diet when I was competing in Ironman and it's definitely more carb based now with fruits and stuff in the smoothies, just because I'm doing a lot of strength training and aerobic efforts. Absolutely. And I need, you need carbs for that, obviously. Right. So yeah, dinner typically would be two burgers, two to three chicken thighs, not, or not. And so either a couple burgers or some chicken thighs or a steak or salmon. Those would generally be my protein sources. We usually do potatoes in the air fryer or some kind of rice for a carb. And then we'll do like asparagus or steamed spinach, you know, some kind of vegetable as well. And then my only real like downtime is after that, where it might be an hour to wind down, you know, just kind of watching YouTube videos. I like documentaries. I like learning. So it'll be consuming generally some kind of content that I feel like we can learn from. Walk our dog blaze. I call it a cul-de-sac hike. So, you know, just kind of connect with with Sarah. Hit the hay, maybe 9-ish, 9.30-ish. We do Beam Dream every single night with usually homemade almond milk, a little teaspoon of honey. Honey is kind of a magic thing for deep sleep, I've noticed, where it it helps turn off your brain. So, you know, if you have a highly stimulating day, like your brain doesn't continue to race after that. So that's how much so you're putting that like a teaspoon of honey in Beam Dream. Yeah, so that's actually a pretty small amount, but still, yeah, yeah, because you don't want to spike your glycogen too terribly much right before bed, right? But teaspoons, not very much at all, honestly. Not a ton. Okay. And then, yeah, around bed. I'm not a nutritionist, just a thought. (laughs) Yeah, around bed at the same time every night, like 10 o'clock, sleeping by 10.30, 10.45. You know, I generally wake up at like 6.30, again, with no alarm and rinse and repeat. I mean, the days are very similar with the exception of, you know, the people change. Yeah. Like I'm at the CrossFit Games now with you. The the environments change. But for the most part, it's kind of the same day, regardless of where I am. It's super important to me to choose environments where like I can keep that schedule. I'm not going to go to Cancun and go to some all-inclusive resort and sit by the beach and eat shitty food. Like I just pick places where I know I'm going to enjoy the community there. I'm going to have access to fitness facilities, access to the outdoors, access to cold water, access to saunas. So very particular with picking those places. Well, and I just love how this has been a compounding thing. Like you said, I really appreciate how you touched on that because it really has been something you've been building for 12 years. You know, that's a long time. And for myself, you know, a little over six years in this whole fitness space. And, and it certainly has been a gradual build. And so much of what you're saying is resonating so heavily with me. And if you would have told me even three years ago that my life would look like what it looks like today with anything, athletics, nutrition, you name it, like I would have been like, 
there's no way because I didn't have the belief in myself and I certainly didn't have the capacity and you name it. But today my daily routine is not what yours is. Your training volume is certainly higher than mine. And there, but it's so cool because hearing you talk about these things, it's inspiring. And I hope that whoever is hearing it, you know, hears and sees that just implementing one thing this year, just focusing more or, or this month or, you know, whatever, one day at a time. And today I'm going to focus on it. I love telling people when they're early on in their fitness journey, something as simple as just drink water. Like let's focus there and you'll be amazed at what something as simple as intentional water consumption will do. And then once we get on track with that, then maybe we take a look at our caloric intake, or maybe we take a look at how many grams of protein we're consuming a day, you know, and just, just those slow, steady builds. And it'll take you places you wouldn't believe. And that's what, you know, if you were to tell yourself six years ago, 12 years ago, that you would be who you are today, you would have been like, there's no way. Yeah. And and that's how I feel is there's no way I'm going to be that girl. And today I get to be that girl. And she's got so much capacity for growth to go. That's thrilling. Yeah. I agree. So, yeah, and it's all about that habit stacking. Like, I'm not counting macros or anything. Yeah. I'm very feeling based. So, yeah. you know, well, and I, I think with nutrition, my journey is early enough to actually be mindful because since I come from a background of alcoholism, like I think right now for me, macro tracking is really great because it's helping me get acquainted with what feels right. Yeah. And, and, and seeing the data is helping me get familiar. But anyway, but so I do that at this time. Sure. But gosh, I've learned so much doing it. And you have to, I mean, just like when I had the personal trainer, you know, to tell me what to do, because I didn't know what to do. Like I needed the education. Then I executed for long enough to understand the feeling I was going to get from different things. And yeah, so I think it's super important to, you know, team up with an expert and yeah, definitely like learn and track. And, you know, I was tracking during those triathlon years a ton. And then you become feeling based and then you've stacked all of these habits yeah. so that, you know, your life is it just, just more built so feeling. organic. Yeah. Gosh. Yeah. And that's such a beautiful thing to know that anyone at any stage of life can truly make those steps. Like at any point you can just decide like, you know what, the quality of life that I have today is not what I want. And then start making decisions to head a different direction. And it's really, truly that simple. It's not easy, but it is that simple. Yeah. Pretty cool. So what are, let's see here. I, where do I want to pivot from here? Cause I got a handful of questions and probably a little bit more <laughs> than I guess. What are your passion projects today? Like what are the things that you're, I guess maybe with the brands or anything like that, like what's the thing that you're most excited about maybe in the next year? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I've figured out my perfect day to an extent, but again, that changes with like people and brands. Like there is some variation within that. So, you know, you met Pete today, we worked out with him who just started a sauna company. Like I'm super stoked to help like ice barrel with him, like help him build his brand new brand in a vertical where I feel like I have an audience and I can add a lot of value. So, you know, I get stoked about that working with new brands where I really feel like I can help them. Our house in Colorado, like we're building it out to be a wellness compound. We want to host outdoor workouts and sauna and cold. So we're really stoked about that, that, you know, just it becoming similar to a Bickle type property where people are coming in, they're at, you know, Bickle's house, our place. And, you know, we're just, yeah, giving people an amazing experience that has impacted our lives and made us feel amazing and let them feel that. And then hopefully go back and apply some of that to their life and their community. There's literally nothing better than positively impacting another human. Yeah. It, like, agree. There's so rewarding. Nothing better. It's insane. So then this compounds well on that. What do you want to be remembered for? Have you put any thought into that 
and if so, what, you know, like, what do you kind of want your legacy to be? Yeah. It might be early for that. Yeah. You're young. You got a long way to go. I'm young. It's a little early to, I don't go through my life with that lens on right now by any means. I go through my life with the lens of first and foremost, I want to make sure that my cup is full so I can give back to others. And I've just found that by living my life the way I have the last five, six years that I'm happy. The people around me are happy. I'm creating opportunities for myself. I'm creating opportunities for others. And, you know, I just think if I continue to do that, the compounding interest on that is going to be what I would have wanted to leave. So, yeah. So then this one, what piece of advice would you like to like, if you could give anybody listening, any one little nugget, what do you think sticks out in your head in this moment? And I'm sure day by day that probably shifts, but, but definitely here now. I mean, what helped me a lot to get where I am today is being super mindful of the people I was around, the places, the things I was doing where I was completely present and just like living in the moment, loving life, making a list of those. Okay. And then doing the same for my, I wish I was somewhere else, you know, the people I'm around right now, I wish I was with other people, the environment I'm in, I wish I was in the mountains, the board meeting that I'm sitting at, I'm doodling, thinking about, you know, what else I could be doing. Like, you're not thriving in that moment. And like, we're all going to write these, you know, I call them thriving and surviving chapters. If you're in a surviving chapter, you know, start writing out those things where like, you're just not living life. You're not present. You're not enjoying it. And then start writing out those things where like you really feel like you're living and you're you're stoked. You the people around you are stoked. Everyone is super present. You're super present and start building your life around those people, those environments and those things. Boundaries. Yeah. You know, uh, that's a far more common term, I suppose. But I love the way that you're phrasing that. And yeah, it's just having boundaries and recognizing these spaces no longer serve the version of me that I want to be and then making the pivot to not do that and instead do the things that do fill your cup. And then as a result, you can fill others. So from there, I think my, is there anything else that you would like to speak about on here? And if not, where can people find you? Yeah. Find me on Instagram. My name, Eric Hinman, DM me. I try to reply to every message I get or every comment I get. So, you know, I love helping. I love giving back. I love connecting. (laughs) Exactly. Feel free to message me. Yeah. Yeah. And, and his content, like, just like you guys are hearing here, his content is just so, insightful and inspiring. And I mean, you just want to see somebody with good energy who is just going to fire you up. Like it's a, it's a solid follow. I've only known him for a short period of time, but I'm couldn't be more grateful for knowing you. And I'm just excited to experience more things and just kind of like, you know, draft off that energy a little bit, kind of like I do in those workouts. I'm just drafting. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. So thank you very much for your time. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. I think that this is going to be valuable for people and Just thank you. Awesome. I'm stoked for you.